0: Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's good to be able to be here and to worship the Lord together. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we, um, we began a, a teaching series on, uh, out of Ephesians 6 that we are calling All Dressed Up, and it's a series that is focused on the armor of God, uh, which is an image of that the Apostle Paul uses in Ephesians 6 as he's writing to the church. And he uses this image to communicate to the church that as followers of Jesus, we're engaged in a spiritual battle. Every day that we wake up and we take a breath, you and I are engaged in a cosmic conflict. We live in a war zone, so to speak. And our enemy, Satan and the forces of evil in the heavenly realms, as Paul puts it, are bent on our destruction. And so with this being the case, we need to make sure, Paul says, that we're properly suited up for battle. And so we began this series, and uh, last week we started uh, looking at the individual uh, pieces of armor in this suit that Paul talks about. And, And we did that by looking at the belt of truth if you recall uh, the the belt is often the first item that a soldier would put on of their armor while they were getting dressed and ready for battle and in the same manner uh, the belt of truth is the first piece of our outfit that we need to get fitted up with one of satan's main tactics is deceit to get us to believe something that is counter to the truth of God. And so Paul says that we must begin by taking on the truth, by knowing the truth. And, and the image that he uses of a belt shows that it needs, to, it needs to wrap around us. And we need to encircle ourselves with the truth. We need to wrap ourselves in the truth. And then we need to line our lives up with that truth. Truth is the first line of defense against the attacks of the enemy. But, but we don't need just one piece of armor. It's not just a belt that is needed. Paul tells us to take up the whole armor of God. The truth alone is important as it is. It isn't the the complete suit of armor. I had a great reminder of this as I was exchanging emails with my in-laws, and they were talking about how in their devotions they they were reminded that 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 is exactly what Paul says, that it's the whole armor of God, that we need all parts of this. Otherwise, we're overweighted in, in one area or vulnerable in another. You know, we put our focus too much on this area and and not enough on this area and and so so Paul tells us to take on the whole armor of God in our lives. Now, with that in mind, we're going to move on to the next piece of armor. This image that Paul mentions and, and the, the the piece that we're focused on this morning is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what is a breastplate? Uh, again, I, I said this last week. I'll say it again. I'm I'm not an expert on Roman military garb. Uh, I kind of feel like by the end of this series I might have like a, enough of a, a knowledge about it that I can be somewhat useful in a discussion. I don't know that that's like an information bank that I really need to hold on to in life. I mean maybe I can write a Wikipedia entry later on based on it or something. but um, but I feel like after you know looking at this stuff, I'll have at least a working knowledge. And, and, and what I understand from, from looking at this, um, when looking at the breastplate as a piece of armor is that this was a piece that was worn by, uh, by Roman soldiers and it would have generally been made of like uh, tough leather and, and iron, different things to, to kind of make up this hard exterior. If you were a, uh, a Roman soldier that was wealthy or a higher ranking, yours might have even been made of bronze. And so this, this, this uh, piece of armor what it would do is it consisted of a piece in the front and in the back of the soldier. And it, was, uh, it, would, it would cover uh, and they would have overlapping pieces of this leather and metal that kind of allowed it to be flexible, there'd be protection for the shoulders and uh, it would kind of rest on a soldier's hips so that they weren't carrying all of the weight on their shoulders because it was a rather heavy, heavy piece of armor. And so to be able to move, it you know, kind of distributed the weight a little bit onto their, their hips. And, and the breastplate, it covered a, a, a soldier from their neck to their thighs. Um, and it, it was kind of like um, the ancient version of a Kevlar vest. You know, It's the ancient version of a, bell, uh, of a bulletproof vest. And a, and a soldier would not think of going into battle Without wearing this piece of armor without wearing a breastplate and and part of the reason for that is the area that it covered it covers all the vital organs it covers the heart, it covers the lungs, it covers the you know, the, the kidneys, it covers the liver, it covers the intestines' all of the vital you know the, all of these organs here and so that 's what the, the breastplate would, would protect now this isn't just any breastplate Paul tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness so what does he mean when he calls it the breastplate of righteousness well there are three possibilities really um, that most commentators and theologians kind of point to as to what Paul is talking about here Uh, the first is that Paul in saying this he is pointing to the righteousness that we have received uh, through our faith in Christ a fancy-schmancy a theological term for this is imputed righteousness. Okay, That it is what Jesus has, has given to us, what He has done for us as He lived a sinless life and went to the cross and took on our sin and as we believe in Him, as we put our faith in Him, we take on His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. So some say that that is what Paul's talking about. That's the righteousness that he's talking about, that we take on the righteousness of God uh, that that we receive from him as our breastplate. Now another way that, that some people look at this piece of armor is to say that it points to the character of our lives. As, that as we follow Jesus, as we live out through the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, a righteous life, that is what we take on. We, as we live with godly character, that is the righteousness that this breastplate is pointing to. That our lives are lived out in a good and upright manner according to our faith in Christ. That they're lived in a righteous manner. That's our, that's our breastplate. Now there's also a third way that some people look at that, and, and, which is to say that Paul's talking about both of these. That, the, that Both of them are implied. It doesn't need to be either or. It is both righteousness received and righteousness lived out. And, and I would say this is where I fall on this um, because I, I, I think both of them are implied here. Last week we talked about the same thing with the belt of truth. How Paul is pointing not only to the objective truth the, and what is ultimate reality according to, to God and His word, but also how it is this call by putting on the belt of truth to live a life of sincerity and to live a life of integrity and and that our, our actions line up with that and just as we have that going on with the belt of truth I think we have a similar thing that's going on here with the breastplate of righteousness we rest in the righteousness that we have in Christ and from that righteousness we are empowered to live a life in which the Holy Spirit makes us more and more like Christ and, and, and or in other words shapes our lives to be more righteous or, and, and godly in character now I want to dig into both of these aspects a little bit this morning and look at how they can help us to stand against the enemy and navigate this battle that we are in more effectively. But before we do that, I want us real quick to notice this. The fact that Paul uses an image of a breastplate so early on, I think is really helpful. And the reason is because I think it can serve as a reminder to us as to where the enemy often comes at us first. And that's our heart. You know, most modern translations, they would look at this area of the body and kind of, you know, it gets boiled down to the term heart. And what it really is referring to is the source of everything that makes us who we are our inmost being, the essence of who we are as a person. The heart refers to the seat of our, our thoughts, our motives, and our emotions. It is the source of everything that makes us who we are. And, and that is one of the most common ways that Satan attacks us is by going after us in those places, in our thoughts, our motives, our emotions. It, it goes after our heart. You know, to, to, Just to put it simply, he knows that if he gets at our hearts, He can inflict a devastating wound. Proverbs 4, 23, what does it say? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart, it says. Everything that you do flows from your heart. It is the wellspring or source of who we are. And so of course the enemy wants to attack us there. Of course the enemy wants to attack us at the heart level, but Paul says that the righteousness that righteousness can serve as a means of protection, it can help us to stand and protect our hearts from the enemy. And so I think it's so good for us to, to kind of think through that, the, the, the prominence and the priority that, that Paul gives of the breastplate here, because we need that protection for our hearts. But he says, again, it's the breastplate of righteousness. And so we're going to look at both of those aspects that I was pointing to. And the first that, that, that uh, he's kind of pointing to here, I believe, is the righteousness that we receive through faith in Christ. Righteousness received. Scripture um, lets us in on one of the ways that, that the enemy attacks us, and that's to accuse us. Uh, Revelations 12, verse 10, calls him the accuser, of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. The enemy loves to accuse us, to point out our flaws and where we've fallen short, to heap shame on us and say, Look at you, you messed up again. You're, you're no good. You're full of sin. And here's the thing he's not entirely wrong. We have plenty of flaws that the enemy can point out in our lives. You and I, we, we we regularly sin. And if we try to argue our standing on the grounds of our own righteousness and in the way of our own righteousness, we don't have much of a defense. But thankfully, that is not our defense. Our defense is not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. There's a kind of a cool passage. In, uh, in Zechariah 3 uh, it is this vision that Zechariah has where the uh, Joshua the high priest of Israel is in heaven and he's standing before God and it says that that, that Satan is there as well and he's there to accuse him and what it says is, is in this vision it says that Joshua is clothed in filthy clothes now a little background I think is helpful here see that the high priest uh, only came before God once a year on the day of atonement and there was a ton of preparation that went into ensuring that the priest was properly cleansed and 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 right and ready to stand before God on behalf of the people there was a lot of, of preparation that went into making sure that he was cleansed you know that he was clean standing before God But even though this would have been the case and this preparation would have taken place, it says here in this passage that Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The the original wording here for filthy clothes, it actually translates to say he was wearing clothes covered with excrement. It's pretty nasty. It's pretty it's 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 this pretty ugly picture. And here's the thing it's it's probably a good picture for us to see of how you know we must look at, before god as we come with all of our attempts at righteousness we can't get ourselves clean you know our our, our and our enemy loves to point that out you know look at you you're dirty you you stink You're filthy, and Joshua, he is there just like that, standing before, before, you know, standing in heaven, and he's filthy, and there's no way that he can stand that way in the presence of God. And Satan is there to point it out, and Satan is there to accuse him. The enemy is is there pointing a finger at him. It's a disaster. But look what happens here as as that accusation comes. It says, The the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. And then it goes on, verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. What an incredible picture. I mean, this... this this picture of what's going on here is so amazing and here's the thing this is what happens as we put our faith in christ god strips away our filth and provides clothes that we couldn't provide for ourselves you know we are reclothed in in, in god's presence we are we are all dressed up in an outfit that we can't provide in you know, the passage here says that, that Joseph was given fine clothes. He was given a turban, which would have the turban would have signified royalty. He's given this 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 outfit, you know, that is starkly different from what he what he was standing in just moments before. And what an amazing picture that is for us to hold on to. Because as the enemy is standing accusing us and saying, look at you, you're filthy and you're sinful and you don't have grounds to stand before the king, we can say, you know, you're right. On my own, I have no ground to stand on. On my own, I have no ground to stand on. But the ground that I stand on has been provided for me because that ground is the cross. That ground that I stand on, He has taken my filthy rags. He has taken that 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 dirty outfit that I have I was wearing, and He has removed it, and He has clothed me in His righteousness. And so we we can stand in His presence, and we can stand in the face of our accuser, because of the righteousness that we have through Christ and in Christ. It's not our own. It's you know that's that picture we looked at last week, Isaiah fifty nine where you know where God he looks around and he sees how every, the state of everything and he says I'm uh, my right my arm is going to achieve salvation and he said, you know and, and so it's this prophetic passage of the messiah coming of Jesus coming right and it says what he put on righteousness as his breastplate he and the, and the helmet of salvation on his head you know he came and and, and brought that through Christ and so to put on the breastplate of res, of righteousness received of received righteousness is to remind ourselves and to remind the enemy that that, that we can stand before God because it's based on the righteousness of Christ. And we have that. As we put our faith in Him, we have that righteousness. and, and, And that is enough for us to stand. It is Christ. Because in Him we've been forgiven, we've been cleansed, and we've been given His righteousness. And so we have that righteousness received. That is one of the ways that that, that this breastplate of righteousness, we we lean into that. Now the other aspect that we're looking at here is righteousness lived, or righteousness that is lived out in our lives. Last week we looked at Ephesians 4, and, and Paul tells the church this, he says, put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. He says, put on the new self. Put on this, your new outfit. Put on your new life. Your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As we have taken on the righteousness of Christ, we have this new life that we live into where we put away the old or we take off the old life and we live into this new identity in Christ. You know, when 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 we come to to faith in, in God, it's not that he just pardons us and, and, and lets us go. He also goes to work in our hearts and begins to, to change us from the inside out. He begins this renovation project, so to speak, inside of us. So that it's not just that we're we're forgiven, but we're also changed to become more and more like Jesus. You know, he's he's renovating us from the inside out. And you know, Paul, throughout Ephesians, he talks about this, of how we're we're to live to this new reality of our life in Christ. You know, to this new life. You know, that we're to take off the the old and live into the new. In in Ephesians 5, he says this, he says, "...for you were once in darkness, uh, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth." He says, live you're you are now light you were once darkness but now you're light live that way live as children of light for the fruit of that light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth i notice that he uses the term fruit there i love that i love that because it's a reminder that we don't produce this You know, we're not. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within us that produces this. This is not something that I'm I'm manufacturing on my own. I'm not just hanging that 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 goodness and righteousness and truth on the tree of my life. It's being produced by what God is doing inside of me and the renovation that He is doing in 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 my life as I've come to faith in Him and I've put off the old life and I'm living into the new life. He's renovating my heart and He's renovating my life and He's creating this stuff. And the fruit of that is on display. But it's his fruit. And so again, there's this aspect here in the breastplate of righteousness as we look at this image where we live into this new life that is marked by godly, righteous character. And the way that this helps us to stand against the attacks of the enemy is that as we live according to to this, this new life, as we live according to the truth of God, to the Word of God, and line ourselves up more and more fully with, with, with what He is calling us to do and how He is calling us to live and seek to develop more godly character and allow that renovation process to take place, then it allows us to identify more fully, fully the attacks of the enemy and 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 to more firmly and readily stand against those attacks as well uh i love um i was watching a video from priscilla Shirer again she has a whole series on the armor of god and she's telling the story about her and her kids and they have a, a a property that their house uh kind of backs up to a a pond uh in texas and and they go out fishing in this pond. Her and the boys will go out fishing in this pond, and it's a pretty big pond, and so sometimes they'll go out fishing in the middle of this pond. They have a boat, They keep a little rowboat that they keep on the, the side of the, the pond to be able to go out there and fish from it. Uh, but the, the, the boat is flipped upside down so it doesn't gather rainwater. And so if they want to use the boat, they have to flip the boat over. Now, She says, inevitably, when we flip the boat over, there's something that comes crawling, hopping, or slithering out from under the boat. Because the boat being flipped over has created this environment that is damp and dark, and it is very hospitable to those things that crawl and hop and slither. And so when they flip it over, they, 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 you know, they run away or hop away or slither away because now the sun is, is is coming in, you know, and it's that environment is not as hospitable for that. And the point that she makes here is that we need to flip the boat over in our lives and and, and let it sit upright in our lives, so that the sun is, is is shining down on our lives, and the and and so that we're not creating an environment in our lives where the things that crawl and hop. And slither can, can survive as easily. We need to do that. We need to allow the, the, the sun to, to shine into our lives and live in an upright manner. And, and, and you know, I, I think that, that that is such a great reminder for us. You know, we need to flip the boat over in our life or make sure it's sitting upright. You know, that that, that that we need to live according to God's truth and, 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 and to, to live in such a way that it creates the right environment for those things to flourish in our life. You know, that as we put on the breastplate of God's righteousness and, and live more and more from that righteousness in a righteous and godly way, as we do that, we're able to more fully identify and to stand against the attacks of the enemy. And so... As Paul's talking about this, he's talking about righteousness received, but also this righteousness that is lived. Now here's the thing. We need to recognize when we talk about a righteous life, we should not confuse that with self-righteousness. There's plenty of self-righteousness that we can see just looking around. Self-righteousness is on display all around this, where, where, where you know there is virtue signaling, and look how good I am. You know, look at look at all of the works of my life, and look how good I am, and look how bad everyone else is. You know, let me show you the billboard of my goodness. You know, and and, and here is the thing: I think that that we can all be tempted to, into doing this. You know, we can all be tempted into doing this. In fact, this may be a way that the enemy gets at us sometime Is, is to say, you know, oh, look how good you are. and Look how terrible everyone else is. Oh, you're so good and you're so righteous. And they're just filthy. Look at you and look at them. And you know, Jesus, what, he, he, he shared a parable about this in Luke 18, right? He, he shares of the tax collector and, 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 and of the Pharisee. And what does he say? He says, the Pharisee, he says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Look at my life. Look at how good I am. Look at the billboard of, of my righteous life. That's what he's saying. You know, this is what the, the Pharisee, look at all of the right things that I'm, I'm doing. I want to put them on display. And meanwhile, the tax collector, what does he do? He won't even look at heaven. He won't even, he won't even turn his eyes upwards. He says, God have mercy on me, a sinner have mercy on me and that's the posture of his heart have mercy on me that's the humility of this man and that's what 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 Christ is pointing to as as, as the way that, that we're to live you know if paul talks about this you know the whole idea of 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 our self you know uh, our the righteousness of our own lives being something that, that that we can look to as as something we champion he says in in philippians 3 he he uh, he says You know, if if there was anybody who could talk about how good they are, it's me. If there's anybody who could tell you how righteous they they are, it's me. I have all of the medals. I've got all the trophies on my shelf. I did everything according to the law the way that it was supposed to be done. I was zealous for it. So I've got all of the the passport stamps on on the good and and righteous ways of life. What does he say? He says... But those are all dirty rags in comparison to the righteousness of Christ. Verse 7, he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. There's the same same wording there. The original there, we we hear uh, garbage, rubbish. It's manure. That's what he's talking about here. That's, that's, that's what he, he views them as. The filthy rags that were being worn. I, I consider them all garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And that is the righteousness we need to cling to. It's not our own righteousness. It's not anything that we can do that we need to prop ourselves up by. Look how good I am. That is the righteousness that we need to cling to. It is through Him and in Him our righteousness is to be found and lived from. It is the righteousness that we receive from Christ when we put our faith in Him. And it is that righteousness that we live out of and we live a life of godly and righteous character. And so that is what Paul is talking about I think when he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness here's the thing we're in a battle we are in a a battle and the enemy's coming after your heart the front line of that battle is your heart you know, we, we, we looked at this briefly earlier. That how the scripture you know, it really points to the heart as the seat of our thoughts and our motives and our emotions and, and you know the, and, and everything that makes us who we are. And that is often going to be the first place that the enemy attacks us. He is an accuser, and he will do his best to heap shame on you and get you to believe and buy into something that is counter to what God has to say about you. He's going to attack you at the core of uh, 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 of your being because he knows that that is where we are vulnerable. And if he can get us there, then, then we will live in places of guilt and fear and depression and discouragement, you know? And, and, and that's why, again, the, 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 the breastplate is so important. His righteousness is so important because it covers our heart. And that's where our thoughts and our, our, our motives and our emotions come from. And, and you know, think about those three different things and how the enemy comes after those, those different areas. Our thoughts. You know, he in, will attempt, uh, attempt to entice us to think the wrong things about God or about ourselves or about others or, or, or even about Him. You know, because if he can get our thoughts to stay in the wrong places, it can be toxic. You know, why does Paul say, hold every thought captive? You know, submit it to Christ. Hold every thought captive because those thoughts lead into other things. And it's not just our thoughts. It's our motives. He will entice, entice us to do the right thing for the wrong reason and the wrong thing for the seemingly right reason. He will try to get us on the level of our desires so that we want things that are counter to what God would have for our lives and what God wants for our lives. Because if He can get us to to desire something that is counter to God or to desire something more than God, then He will have made us into idolaters. He'll he'll, he'll have a setting up idols. He'll have us setting up things that are more important to us in our life than than, than our God is. And so, we, so he'll attack us at those, the place of our desires and he'll attack us in our emotions as well. You know, emotions are a beautiful thing that God has given us. They're a great gift from God, but they're also an area where, where the enemy can attack us. He can use uh, emotions to carry us away from God. And you know, when when our emotions and truth are in sync, it's incredible. But when they're out of sync, when our emotions are out of sync with reality, and out of sync with God's truth, and out of sync with who God is, then, then it can be extremely dangerous to us because they'll carry us away from Him. An enemy would love nothing more than have our emotions carry us away from God. You know, Any of these areas, and there's, there's plenty more that we could look at, but those areas, you know, they all come from this, what we're talking about when we say the heart. You know, what the Bible is pointing to is the heart, the source of who we are, the wellspring of who we are. And so we need to, you know, we need to, to guard ourselves against that. Now, how do we how do we do that? Well, I think one, one way that I would suggest, and we've we've mentioned this before, is to daily preach to your heart. Daily preach to yourself. Preach to yourself the gospel of grace. Preach to yourself the life that God has called you to live into. You know, remind yourself. Remind your heart. Remind you know, every aspect of who you are that we have this righteousness that we have received from God. That He, he, he did, through Jesus, come and live a, a, a perfect life. And He went to the cross and He took on our sin. And as such, we have, we have received His righteousness. I preach that to your heart daily. And, 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 and then the, that we are to, called to live according to that truth from that righteousness. you know the, 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 a life that is marked by godly character, by, upright, by by the boat sitting upright in our life. And as we allow that renovation that he does through the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our life, you know we open ourselves more and more fully to that. That's what we're preaching to ourselves daily. That's what we're preaching. To our heart. And as such, as we do that, we can stand more firmly and more fully against the attacks of the enemy. Would you guys pray with me? Well, Father, we are so grateful for the blessing that your word is to us, that it can guide us, that it can instruct us. That it has the power to shape us, that it is living and active. Thank you for what it shows us here about the righteousness that we have in and through you as well as the life that we live from that place. Lord, our, our desire is to um, is to live into that. We, we know that we're in a battle daily. And again, we don't want to focus on it more than we should. We don't want to uh, become obsessed with it, but we also don't want to just leave it unsaid because we know that, that in both of those extremes there is an opportunity for us to live in and believe in an unhealthy way. And so help us to, to live in that place of between those two keep our eyes focused on you, to live more fully with an understanding of of your grace, to preach that to our hearts daily, to remind ourselves of who you are and who we are in you, and then to live from that place, from your righteousness. Lord, thank you for this morning. We, uh, we pray now as we go that you would just guide us as we seek to live into this more and more as your people. Amen.